And good morning, I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. Thank you all for being with us today at South Park Church, whether you're in person here in our traditional sanctuary or joining us online or joining us from upstairs in our modern sanctuary. We are a church with many ways to worship, many styles of worship, but one God, one message. Uh, and so we're glad to be here today. Last year, my Uncle Tommy died, and I traveled to go to his Celebration of Life service in Graham, North Carolina, Alamance County. Uh, it was a beautiful service, and after the service, I got together with my parents and my brother, and we drove over to the Thompson home place there in Graham, uh, where my dad grew up. And my dad grew up on a, a tobacco farm in Alamance County, and uh, uh, the family still owns the area, the property there, but the house has kind of started to slip. No one lives there, but we had a chance just to walk around the house and the grounds there and to have my dad talk about things to us and kind of reminisce about his life growing up. And it was really special. And I'm a nostalgic kind of guy, so I eat that kind of stuff up. And um, on the way home, I was able to drive by the place where my mom grew up because it's not too far from where I live now. And so in one day, I got to see the home places that shaped my dad and shaped my mom. Um, and then when I got home, uh, of course, it's the house where I live with my wife, Laura, and our two sons, Luke and Nathan, and it's the only home that Luke and Nathan have known. Uh, so in one day, I hit the three main houses that I could call home in my life. Where is home for you? Where is your home now, and where was your home growing up? When you think of home and the memories uh, that are warm to you, or maybe not so warm, where is that place that you call home? I counted up in my life, in 51 years of living on planet Earth, I have lived in 14 different homes. Uh, that includes some of where I went to school, where I changed a lot each year, but uh, the shortest amount of time I lived in a place was just under a year, and the longest is 18 years and counting. So, of moving around in life. Um, but really where I grew up was in Asheville, North Carolina, is where I grew up most of my life. And I was under the assumption that this was my house uh, in Asheville, the Biltmore House. <laughs> my parents would take us there to the Biltmore House. That's me and my brother when we were very young. And apparently I told my mom and dad that this is my house. And so uh, delusions of grandeur, right? That'd be great to live in the Biltmore House. But now this is where I grew up. This is in uh, the next photo in Asheville. Um, uh, in Biltmore Forest. Uh, that was the church parsonage. Um, and we lived there 11 years. I uh, moved after my freshman year of high school. But this is the kind of where I was a child and have many warm memories, kind of a magical kind of childhood growing up. Uh, where is home for you? Where is home for you in growing up. I think when we think about our homes, we have many mixed emotions. There's certainly the love and the fondness and maybe some aggravating things. And do you remember the old uh, Jimmy Stewart movie, It's a Wonderful Life, where he plays George Bailey and he's uh, living in this, this big house that he and his wife renovated, but it's old. And there's this scene where he always goes up the banister and there's like the knob on the banister and he picks it up and it falls off. And he's just always so mad that that thing is, is broken. And he never has time to fix it. And he just wants to like kind of throw it, you know, and but by the end of the movie, he goes up the stairs for one time and he picks the banister uh, knob up and he realizes the really good things in his life. And instead of wanting to throw it, he kind of, he kisses it. It's just this, this magical moment of this is my home. It's not perfect. There's things that are wrong with it, good and bad memories, but it's my home and I love it. I love being here with my family. Um, 
couple weeks ago, a family that lives right down the street from us that we're close to, our, fr- our children play together. Uh, their oldest child went away to college. Uh, he's going to go to a school in Raleigh, North Carolina, and he's going to play basketball there. And he couldn't wait to go. He was so ready to go and have his freedom and play basketball and study and probably chase after girlfriends and things like that and all that we do in college. And so uh, he wanted to go away so much that, you know, it might have hurt his parents' feelings a little bit that he wanted to go so badly, you know. Uh, but I know him, and I know that down deep, as much as he's loving his freedom of being away, that there's a part of him, this big, strong, muscular guy, is still missing home, and that he will look forward to coming home on his Thanksgiving break and his Christmas break. And, um, you know, I've had a chance in my life as a pastor, um, a very special opportunity to be with people near the end of their lives, Uh, some of them battling Alzheimer's, some battling dementia, some minds just crystal clear and sharp. But to a person, usually they always say things to me about their childhood, about their home, how they're looking forward to seeing their parents or other loved ones who've gone to be in heaven. And later in life, they just, they revert back to the childhood that they have, and it just is something that they talk a lot about. Where is home for you? Where is your home now? Where was your home growing up? Where do you feel at home? Well, this song that we uh, got to hear from Brad and Yanye today, again, thank you all so much. It's just a beautiful song. It's, it's, it's a song about going home. It's a song about missing home. It's a song about growing up and missing the home that we have. And it's, it was performed or continues to be performed by Miranda Lambert, who's a country uh, music superstar. We got a picture of her here. And uh, she didn't write the song, but she made it popular. She made it famous. And she was dating another country musician, Blake Shelton, and he was supposed to be the one to sing this song. But she heard it, and she asked her boyfriend, is it okay if I sing this song? He's like, sure, go ahead. And it was a good thing that she did. It was her first country hit. It became number one. Uh, she won Grammys with this. She swept awards in both country music award ceremonies. And so it has propelled her career and done amazing things. And it's a beautiful song, and she just sings it. Uh, and plays it very well. And so let's look at some of these lyrics that we heard spoken and just maybe see how this might or might not apply to you in your life. Let's see what it says, right? This is written by Tom Douglas and Alan Shamblin, again performed by Miranda Lambert. I know that they say you can't go home again. I just had to come back one last time. Ma'am, you don't know me from Adam, but these handprints on the front steps are mine. She's gone back to her childhood home, knocked on the door. She's a stranger, but she wants to see where she grew up. Up those stairs in that little back bedroom is where I did my homework and I learned to play guitar. And I bet you didn't know that under that live oak, my favorite dog is buried in the yard. If you don't have your Kleenex out, you probably need that. Right? This song is a tear jerker, right? Mama cut out pictures of houses for years from Better Homes and Garden magazine. Plans were drawn and concrete poured, nail by nail and board by board, daddy gave life to mama's dream, right? And the good memories of her childhood home. But now she's an adult and things are not going as great as she might have hoped, right? You leave home, you move on, and you do the best you can. I got lost in this whole world and forgot who I am. I thought that if I could touch this place or feel it, This brokenness inside me might start healing. Out here, like I'm someone else, I thought that maybe I could find myself. If I could walk around, I swear I'll leave. Won't take nothing but a memory from the house that built me. 
So this woman goes back home to her child at home and she just wants to see it and touch it again because in her life, she's kind of forgotten who she is and she's feeling broken in the world. She's feeling lost in the world and she just thinks, if I could just go back to, to the house and the home that built me, it could maybe help me get back on the right track. How many of us today are feeling broken in the world? How many of us are feeling lost in the world? How many of us are not really sure who we are? We're struggling with our own identity and we can identify with this song about what it's like to, to be unrooted, to be displaced and we wish we could go back and find the roots or something to anchor us in the world that can be so confusing and so challenging. She starts out with this lyric, how we can't go home again. And we've probably heard that, you can't go home again. What does that really mean, right? What does it mean we can't go home again? I think for some of us, we literally can't go home again because the home that we grew up in may not exist anymore. Or our parents or our siblings are no longer living and they've gone to be with God. And so we can't go back to that place. We can't go back to those people. Uh, and so maybe it's just not possible for us to go home. Uh, I am grateful to have my parents who are still living. They don't live in the same house that I grew up in, but I know that if I went to their home right now today that I could find a place where I could be encouraged and loved and sheltered and have a place to take refuge from the world if I needed to, but it's still at the same time you can't go home again, right? We can't time travel back to how it was when we were children living in the home with our families. Uh, now we're adults, we have responsibilities, we also like to make decisions and not be told what to do, so you can't really go home again in that manner either. Um, maybe a way of thinking about this is last year, uh, when I turned 50 years old, we moved into this new beautiful campus, and there's a hotel behind our church right here, the Hyatt-centric hotel, and they invited me and some of the staff to come for their grand opening, their ribbon cutting, and we were glad to go do that, and we were you know, good partners with the hotel, and there was a reception afterwards, and uh, this man came up to me, and he looked familiar, and sure enough, it turned out to be the little boy that grew up across the street from me in Asheville. His name is Jeff, right? What are the odds of that, right? I said, well, what are you doing here? He said, the bank that I work for financed this hotel. And I said, well, I happen to be the pastor right across the street right here, you know? We had not seen each other in 35 years. We just turned 50, and here we are in the same community, and it's pretty special. And so it wasn't long after we saw each other that we went out for lunch and had a chance to catch up with each other, and we reminisced about all kinds of stories. We used to ride bikes together, play basketball and football together. We had acorn wars together. We chased girls together. Like we got in trouble together. And so I hadn't seen him in 35 years, so we had a lot of stuff to remember and to think about and reminisce about. And and then we got to catch up on where he went to school and who his family is and what he does and all that kind of stuff with me as well. And it was a special time. Right? We just both turned 50 years old. We talked about what that was like and midlife and all of that. And it was a great time together. But it wasn't like it was when we were growing up, right? He's got his own life. He's got his own friends. He's got his own responsibilities, and I have mine. And I think we're going to remain friends and, and, and have those relationships moving forward. But it's not like we were when we were best friends doing stuff together every day, right? In a sense, we can't go home again, and that, that's true. And I think maybe that sense of we can't go home again also might have something to do with the loss of the innocence that we have as children. Now as adults, we've been out in the world and there's some great things that we see and encounter. 
But also out in the world, there are some harsh realities. And some bad stuff has happened to us. And we've been hurt by the world. And we've made some bad decisions. And we've hurt other people. And we can't unlearn that. We can't undo that. We can't forget that. And so we can't go back to that time of innocence when we were at home. So you can't go home again, even though we yearn to do that sometimes. Well, maybe you're sitting here today thinking, you know, Pastor Kyle, I'm glad you had a great experience growing up. I'm glad that, you know, Miranda Lambert and this song had a great experience growing up. But, but not all of us had great home lives growing up. Some of us had absent parents or abusive parents. Or we had siblings that tortured us. Or we just, we bounced from house to house. Or, you know, we were in foster or adoption situations. And some of us just didn't have good childhoods. And maybe the reason that we're feeling broken today or the feeling that we're feeling lost today or maybe we're feeling that we don't know who we are today is because we had such a terrible childhood. And that's real and that's hard. What about us? And I think whether you had a great childhood, a great home life, or you had the worst childhood or the worst home life or somewhere in between, I think the reason this song tugs on our heartstrings is that it tugs on something that's deep inside of us as human beings, the human experience, a spiritual truth that's deeper than we can ever imagine. And to reveal this truth, I want us to go to Scripture today because I think God has some interesting and powerful things to teach us about what it means to be rooted in the world, to have a family that loves you, and to have a home that you know you can depend on. So I want to go to the very first book of the Bible. God has created the universe. God's created the earth. God's created the first humans, Adam and Eve. And he's placed them in a paradise, the Garden of Eden, where they can do and have anything that they want. God just had one provision, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. But the devil tempted Adam and Eve, they ate of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, they lost their innocence, and so now there are some consequences that they have to face. And let's see what happens here in the book of Genesis chapter 3. The Lord God made garments for, of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So in the Garden of Eden, there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There was the tree of life. And the other humans could live forever by eating of the tree of life. But now that they've eaten of the one tree they weren't supposed to, they're not going to be allowed to eat of the tree of life anymore. That's where death comes from. So the Lord God banished from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And after God drove man and woman out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim, like these little angel-type figures, and the flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So humanity, created in God's image, which is incredibly good, has disobeyed God, and now they have been cast out of the Garden of Eden. Right? And so for the rest of their lives, Adam and Eve have been displaced from their home. And there's a longing inside of them to go home again. And I think as long ago as that happened, that there's still something inside all of us human beings that we long to go home to that Garden of Eden, that paradise, to be in the presence of God where everything is perfect and wonderful. And that there's a sense inside of all of us, regardless of what our earthly families are like, that there's longing inside of us to go home again, not only on earth, but in our relationship to God. Now, the good news is that God did not give up on us. God wants us to be home with God. And so we see 
that that is possible for us as well. So let's see some good news today from the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament. And these are the words of Jesus talking about how we can go home to God again. And Jesus teaches this through a story. So Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate, right? This is a little unusual, Dad. I'd like for you to give me my inheritance even while you're not dead yet. <laughs> so that's a big ask, isn't it, right? It says, so the father divided his property between them. He went ahead and gave his son the inheritance before he died, right? This is a, a very graceful father to do this for his son. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. Doesn't say it in the Bible. That's what's going on. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs, right? How far had he fallen? Right? He was the son of this, this man who had lots of, of resources, and now he's working feeding pigs, right? Which for a Jewish person, right, was, was, a, it was a low of low, right? They considered pigs and pork unclean, and right? So this is a low job, right, for someone, the people of Israel in the first century. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now he's desperate enough. He wants to eat the pig's food, but he doesn't even have that. When he came to a census, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father, right? I can't be a son again. I blew that. But maybe my dad will let me work for him and maybe I can have enough then to eat, you know, even as a servant, right? But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Right? So the dad sees the son coming back from a distance. He can't believe what's going on. And he just is so full of joy that he runs out and he meets his son and he hugs him. Right? In, in the first century world, this would be unthinkable. Right? Fathers were, uh, uh, their status was much higher than a child, and, and so a father would never leave to do this. But this father doesn't care about what society says you should or shouldn't do. His son is coming home, and so he ran to meet him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they begin to celebrate. The dad says, I don't care what you did. I don't care what you did with your money. All I know is I thought you were dead to me. Now you're alive and we are going to celebrate. I have my son again. Welcome home. Meanwhile, the older son who was in the field, right, when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Well, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, 
all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him? Now we probably can understand why the older brother's upset, right? I've been here the whole time. I've done nothing wrong. I've done everything right. And he's gone and blown everything and lived an immoral life. And you're treating him like a king, right? What's the deal with that, right? We can sympathize a little bit with the older brother being angry about that, right? My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and to be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. Yeah, I love you and you have access to me. And now your brother is back. We have to welcome him back. This is the story of the lost son. It's the story of the prodigal son. It's the story of someone who's abandoned family and gone away and totally messed it up. And he wants to come back. And against all tradition, all expectation, the father welcomes him home. Not like, I told you so. I knew you were going to mess it up. You spent all that money. You're doing all these wrong things. How dare you come back to me and want to work for me? That's what we would expect in our culture, right? But the father defied that. He said, this is my son who I thought was dead. And he's alive again. And I love him, and we will celebrate him coming home. And the beauty of this is that it's a symbol for our relationship when we feel lost in the world. When we've done wrong things against other people, when we've done wrong things against God, when we experience guilt and we feel ashamed of the things that we feel, we feel lost and broken in the world, and we don't know who we are. God says, come home. I love you. I don't care what you've done. You belong to me. You are created in my image. I want to give you a life that is full. I want to give you a life forever. I want to restore the tree of, of life to you. You can come home to me. And not only does God think that, but he sent his son Jesus into the world to come to bring us home. When Jesus died on the cross and he came back to life, he took upon himself our guilt and our shame and our death, all that separates us from God. And he says, I take these consequences on myself so that all of you can be made right with God again. And so today, the song that we heard sung today, the, the writers who wrote that song that became this big hit, The House That Built Me, they say their inspiration was this scripture verse, this scripture story of the prodigal son, the house that built me is a story of coming home again. Not just to our earthly families, but to God. No matter how far we've strayed, no matter how broken we feel, no matter how lost we feel, no, no matter if we're struggling with who we are, God says, you are mine. You are my child. You are beautiful. I made you in my image. And I want you to come home. I'm ready to forgive you. I'm ready to give you a life that is full. I'm ready to give you joy. I'm ready to give you peace. Come home. And so with our earthly families, sometimes it goes well and sometimes it doesn't go well. But with our heavenly family, with our heavenly father, our heavenly parent, it can go well because God wants us to come home. And he gives us an extension of family known as the church where we have people like us 
who come together, and we do life together. We, we go through the ups and the downs of life together as a church family, right? We have earthly families that we're born into. We have earthly families that we choose to marry and, and friends that we choose. We also have the opportunity to choose a church family to belong to to help us get through life, right? Last week, we had the heartbreaking um, news that Debbie Coles had died unexpectedly, and we had her service, and today we're going to have another service for Mary to, uh, White, who uh, we also knew was dying and, and was in hospice care, but it still hurts that we've lost her, and, and so we come together, and we're reminded that life is fragile, life is precious, and, and that we need each other in this life, right? Whether our earthly families are great or not, we have a heavenly family, we have a church family where we celebrate births and marriages and baptisms and graduations and we, we deal with job losses and heartbreaks and, and illnesses and diseases and death and all in between. God gives us the gift of a church family. And if you don't yet belong to a church family, then what a great invitation to be part of ours. We would love to have you. If you're watching online, I'm sure there's a local church family where you are, where you can come in person and be surrounded with love. So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? This is what I think it is. It's never too late to come home to Jesus. It is never too late to come home to Jesus. If you're feeling lost in the world, if you're feeling broken in the world, if you're struggling with who you are and your identity, Jesus says, come home. I love you. I created you in my image. I have plans for you to, to give you a life that is full, to help you through the hard times. Come home to me. It is never too late to come home to Jesus. It is never too late, no matter what you've done, no matter what your past is, no matter what your earthly family's like, it is never too late to come home to Jesus. So I would encourage you to consider a few action steps this week to respond to this good news. The first would be come home to say, Jesus, if I've been far from you, I, I want to be with you. Please forgive me. Take me back. Take away my guilt. Take away my shame. I believe in you. I love you. Give me a life that is full. Jesus is ready to welcome you home. Come home. Right? Another thing that we can do is build our lives on Jesus. I want you to, to go home this week and look this scripture up. Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Maybe take a picture, write that down. It's kind of like follow-up. It talks about building our lives on Jesus. What does it look like to build your life on the foundation of Jesus? Study and think and pray about Matthew 7, 24 through 27 as a follow-up to today. Right? Another thing that we can do is Appreciate our earthly families, right? the love that they've given us, the memories that we have, right? the good things that we have. If, if they're gone, to mourn their loss. right? If you didn't have a great earthly family, then to grieve that right? and to seek something better in your own choice of family now. Right? And just another thing that we can do today is to belong to a church family. If you don't have a church family, we would love for you to be part of our family, to navigate the great things that happen to us and to go through the hard things together. We're not a perfect family, and we argue, and we fuss, and sometimes we fight verbally, right? But we love each other, and we forgive each other, and we are there for each other. And there's just nothing like that, right? We're blessed with an earthly family. We can also be blessed with a church family, belong to a church family. It's never too late to come home to Jesus. 
You know, at the beginning, we talked about the book of Genesis where we were cast out of our home at the Garden of Eden, cut off from the tree of life. And that sounds pretty rough, doesn't it, right? Thank goodness God sent us Jesus. But I want to fast forward to the end of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, where God gave a man named John a vision of the future. And John is now seeing the end of time when Jesus comes back for the second time and defeats all of evil. And John has seen that God sends down a new heaven and a new earth where we're going to live forever, right? And, he's, and John is describing to us what that new earth looks like. And there's a new city of Jerusalem that's coming down. And look at these words. This is just powerful stuff in the book of Revelation. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb Jesus down the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve them. And they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. There's no more curse of death. There's no more curse of hell. Right? We will be in the presence of God. We will see God fully and we will live forever with God. But what I really love about this scripture is, right, at the end of time when the new heaven, the new earth comes, that God ushers in the garden again. The tree of life is there and there is a garden, right? We've been restored to our heavenly home. The book of Genesis starts out in the garden and we lose it, right? And the book of Revelation says we're back in the garden and we have access to the tree of life. It's a beautiful story. It's come full circle. It's like bookends. God says, come home again. You can come home again. And so as we think about our place in the world, if we're feeling lost or broken or confused about who we are, remember, we're like that that son in that story that Jesus told. And this is what Jesus thinks about us. Again, from Luke's gospel. For this son or this daughter of mine was dead and is alive again. He or she was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This daughter, this son of mine was dead again, is alive again, was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. It is never too late to come home to Jesus. My brothers and sisters, come home. Come home in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This, for those of you who are worshiping upstairs uh, in our modern space, we want to turn that back over to you, and we will see you upstairs afterwards uh, for coffee and donuts. Thanks for being a part of this. To those of you watching online, we hope that you'll stick with us. And to those of you who are with us here, if you'll join me in a time of prayer. Gracious and ever-loving God, we thank you so much that you want us in your home, that you created us in your image, God, that you put us in the Garden of Eden, God, and now you're restoring us in that great garden, God, and that no matter how far we stray or how broken we might become, how lost we might feel, how we might struggle with even knowing who we are, you are like that father in the story that says it's never too late to come home. So God, please forgive us of the wrong things that we've done. Please forgive us of the brokenness in our lives, God. We ask that you would come in and 
Make us feel part of your family. Help us to know that we are created in your image, that you love us, God. Help us to have a life that is full. And we pray also, God, that you would be with us with our earthly families. For those of us who have good families, may we celebrate them, God. For those of us who are mourning the loss of our families to death, we ask that you would comfort us and remind us of the hope of the resurrection. To those of us who have had terrible experiences with our earthly families, God, help us to heal from that. Help us maybe to be understanding of why people act sometimes the way that they do, not that it justifies bad behavior. God, help us to be wise in the earthly families that we choose, the people that we surround ourselves with as friends, the people that we choose to marry, the people that we choose to welcome into our earthly families. And Lord, help us to find a great church family to belong to where other people are going through life, raising children and going to work and dealing with the ups and downs of life, not knowing quite how to do it, Lord, that we all need to be rooted and joined together. Help us to find a church family, Lord, that we can become a part of. And we would welcome anyone here to be a part of the South Park Church family. God, forgive us when we are rude to each other in churches and hurtful to each other in churches. And help us to practice your forgiveness and seek more to build one another up, dear God. We thank you, Lord, that you love us like that father loved his son, that no matter where we are, what we've done, you welcome us home. Thank you, God, for welcoming us home. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.